0: Welcome to Fraggle Talk, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast brought to you by Toughfix.com. This is the podcast where we cover Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, episode by episode, along with the talented producers, performers, writers, and builders who help put it all together. I'm your host, silly creature Joe Hennis. Today, we are talking about Back to the Rock's first season finale, All of Us, in which everything comes to an end for now. Our first guest today is a returning friend of The Rock. You've heard literally every one of our previous Fraggle Talk guests sing his praises, and you've heard him on this podcast as our Fraggle Fast Facts presenter On Back to the Rock, he's an executive producer, as well as the performer behind and below Gobo Fraggle, the architect dozer Sprocket, and Barry Blueberry. We are extremely pleased to welcome John Tartaglia back to the podcast. Hello, I'm back! You're back! (laughs) And also joining us for portions of this episode is a special, special guest. She is an executive producer on Back to the Rock. The Jim Henson Company's president of television and, most importantly, the co-presenter of this podcast's Dig Deeper segment, we're excited to welcome Hallie Stanford back to the podcast. Hi, Hallie.
1: Hello. Woo! I'm sliding into the rock
0: we're back <laughs> so glad to have you both here it really and honestly would not be the same to wrap up this podcast without both of the two of you so thank you thank so much you. for being here Aww, yeah. thanks for having us i can't believe
2: we're already here at the last episode the last episode you're here for the first episode yeah you're both technically in yeah. every episode I yeah mean, that's true
0: yeah um <laughs> so first of all johnny can you tell us
2: where are we where are we right this moment this moment where this are moment we? we are in a very special cave as the fraggles would say we are in uh the conference room here at the jim henson company which is filled with lots of uh wonderful artifacts of henson history agra from the dark crystal some awesome uh fashion from the dark crystal and a very special special mural that hung in the lobby of the old Muppet mansion in New York city that Jim commissioned himself. And it's one of my favorite parts of being here at the company.
0: I was going to say, it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I just you know? like, describe I never,
2: Describe it, ever... Describe
1: it, Johnny. It, it's, it's, it's,
2: it's amazing. Yeah. It's literally, uh, it's every Muppet character that had ever been created. Hence a Muppet character up until I think it was 1987 when it was commissioned. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, yeah. And it's amazing. It's I mean, literally, you name a Muppet character or a Henson character, they're all in this gorgeous, gorgeous painting. And uh, when it was in the, the Henson uh, mansion in New York City, there were theater seats sitting in front of it. All the Muppets, it's like the Muppet Show theaters filled with all of our Henson friends. And there used to be theater, red theater seats sitting in front of it, so you could basically be sitting with those characters in a lobby. It was really awesome. It's a very famous photo of Jim. I'm sure everyone out there listening has seen it sitting in front of this mural. So it's really cool to be. To be here in the room with that, it is. Yeah,
0: uh, we were getting word that it was from 1986.
2: That Sorry, was, 1986.
0: That was. I was close. You were very close. Uh, I also at one time created a, a, a quiz online on the website Sporkle.com where you have to identify all the characters in there. Uh-huh. And it's surprisingly hard. It is. I, There's there so were, many of them.
2: I'm horrified to say with all the nerd knowledge I have, there are characters. And I'm like, uh, what's that character's name? <laughs> uh, we also are getting a correction on that 1986. It was actually 1984.
1: That was a typo. <laughs> we're just gonna breaking keep... news. Breaking news in 1984 is when the painting was commissioned. <laughs>
0: Um, Well, in any case, we're not here to talk about this mural, which does have many Fraggles in it. We're here to talk about Fraggle Rock, the end of this first season of Back to the Rock. Uh, So can you both tell me how did things change for you as executive producers between episode
2: one and episode 13? Mm. That is a... Hallie, you should should go first because you really got to see it all from the outside of the set. Yeah. You You should should talk about the
1: inside out and I'll talk about the outside in. well, by the end, I mean, it was such a beautiful culture that was created on the set and so much joy. And it was such an accomplishment, of course, from the, from the Fraggle Rock story point of view, but also just think about when we produced it um, in, in COVID. So we did it. We, we got to the end and we were like, we did it. We did it. We made it. And we were so tight as a group um and it was very bittersweet we were very sad i mean i remember pas crying uh when we were doing our last shots and uh also i you know we dedicated every last shot to different departments and everybody would cheer this shot goes out to the lighting department we'd be like so it was super joyful in the end and we were just just kind of like amazing running machine by the end and i was just so proud and it was just very very loving And, um, you know, I, I, you know, fingers crossed a new season, there'll be new challenges. So I'm not saying that everything, you know, we figured it all out, you know, every single episode is, is a new fun challenge, but we just were this incredible team in the end. And it felt so good. Um, we were kind of like all the characters in the finale, right? They all came together, the Gorgs, um, the Fraggles, the Doozers, everyone, uh, Docs, Rockets. So I don't know, that's kind of how we all were in the end. Uh, for this fi- finale, whereas we were just getting to know each other in the beginning.
2: I would agree with that. I think it was the same way, you know, being on set inside the characters and under the characters is, you know, we we, we naturally became a family and um, every single puppeteer felt connected to each other. We, you know, even though it was during, like Hallie said, during COVID, which is a very stressful time and a very scary time, mm-hmm. it was almost like, you know, it kind of matched the journey of all of us on set kind of matched what was happening in the world in the sense of, you know, we were on a journey together and we were, you know, in this completion sense where there was hope at the end of this last episode. And that's kind of where we were in the real world because all of a sudden vaccines were rolling out and there were, you know, there were positive things happening back in the world. Things were opening back up again slowly as we kind of reemerged from Fraggle Rock. Um, But there were lots of tears, lots of moments of, just trying to really soak it in. And I think what's really great that Holly said that I totally agree with is that every department was firing on the highest possible cylinder at that point. And it happened in that last episode that we had a lot of, um, you know, uh, unknown challenges to figure out, like how do you shoot the fraggles underneath a bridge in the Gorg's garden? And, you know, Uh we could have just done it all on blue screen, but then the, you know, incredible art department and, Uh, uh, production department at Tyler Heron our brilliant production designer they designed an actual scale gorg bridge that we shot under and so it was just like so the set and art department were working at their highest level and the puppets were were, the puppet department was working at their highest level and the the, the lighting everything everything was at its highest so it just felt like we had worked our way to this completion and it helped that we ended by shooting the actual last episode, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes you shoot completely out of order. Sure. And we actually got to end by shooting that episode. And it was the message of one heart. And we're all in it together. And it just, it just kind of felt very, um, I don't want to say it was spiritual, but it, it did feel that way. It felt very like we had, we oh, had gone yeah. on this, this like hero's journey all together to try to get there.
0: For sure. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine what was the last shot. I mean, we'll probably talk about it when we talk about this episode, but oh my what was gosh. the last thing
2: you filmed? I'm oh trying to think.
1: What was the last shot? Um, I think it was.
2: I think it was something on blue screen. Funny enough, and I think it might have been. I think the you're fra- right. Five. I think it might have been the Fraggle Five yes. singing together. I think that's no. I right. think you're
1: right. I think that's exactly what it was.
2: Like we didn't want to end, you know, with like just just something kind of, you know. And there's a hand poking into frame, and that's the last shot of the series. <laughs> <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted to do something that at least was like the Fraggles all together. So well, that's it was nice. It was really nice, and yeah. and I think it was a. Yeah, it just it just kind of felt like um, we were all exhausted because it was a very long, you know, very intense process and it was hard work. But we actually ended, my, my favorite mem- memory of the entire thing is all the puppeteers um, gathered together in kind of a huddle at the end and we all were crying together and just like thanking each other. And, you know, it was, it was, you can imagine for... Everybody was a different journey for Karen Pearl to come back and, you know, re- play this character again. She never thought she was going to get to play again, you know, s- so many years later. And then for Jordan Lo- you know, Lockhart, who was this is his first time ever playing Wembley, you know, all, all these different experiences that all kind of um, everyone had a different journey, but we all got to celebrate the end of it together. That's wonderful. I love that. And, I mean, so I have
0: this question written down, and I feel like I know the answer, so I'm going to tweak it. But my question that I was going to ask is, how do you feel about the quality of the show as a whole? And, I mean, obviously, it's, the quality is high. We, all, we can all see that on the screen. Um, but uh, on the reverse of that, is there anything that you look back on the season of the show that you go, yeah, I just wish that we could have uh, uh, tweaked that a little bit or just uh-huh. elevated it just slightly
1: well, Johnny, I would say that, you know, we were, we, our hope and dream would be just more fraggles, right? Like more cool fraggles and more, you know, just kind of being able to build up the uh, community, don't you think? Puppet-wise? Yeah, I think
2: uh, it's funny. I, I mean, I, and I say, I say this and I'm really hard on myself. I never am hundred percent happy with anything I do. I'm really tough on myself, but I, 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 watch the episodes now, you know, especially months after we completed them and going, these are I'm proud of these. These these turned out great. I would say that Hallie's right. Like the one thing that I would always say is, oh my God, we need like 30 more puppeteers because that beautiful fraggle great hall set was so big that even though we had a total of 25 puppeteers on our biggest days, it was like, there's still not enough people. (laughs) So I think that that's one thing I would love to do is just put like like, a hundred more fraggles in that great hall. Um, and you know, you always find little things you, you think, you know, as puppeteers we are so hard on ourselves like it's rare we ever look at a a shot and go that was fantastic we're always finding something we could do better in fact Mm -hmm. it drives our directors crazy and our producers crazy because (laughs) we're always like one more take we could get it better one more take um so there's little things that i catch that i'm like oh i wish i could have fixed that or i wish i could have nudged that a little bit or whatever but i think overall i just feel like you know we've again because every department was giving everything they had i look at some of these shots and i'm like wow that looks that looks pretty great like and it's nice to feel that it's yeah. nice to feel so proud of something you've worked on
0: for sure yeah that definitely shows on the screen yeah and it shows that everyone else on the cast and the crew feels the same way of, like they wanted to make this look they wanted to to find that that you know, as close to perfection as possible. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, you know, it's
2: funny though, as I say that, now the one thing that pops in my head is I think the one, <laughs> and I think I could speak for all the puppeteers when I say this, I think the one thing that everyone does tend to get really hard on themselves about, and we're always like, oh, is like doozer stuff because they're such particular, oh, yeah, precise sure. puppets, and mm-hmm. there's you're so dependent on that servo moving exactly as you want or that rod, that little trigger rod working exactly like, like you want. So I think as, but for the doozers, we're always like, "Oh, I sure. want to get that one one piece better or fix that one little moment." But again, I think I think that's part of what makes the show feel so organic is that it's all in-camera, real puppets. So it is what it is. But you know,
1: and better Wi-Fi, right, Johnny? Like just better <laughs> Wi-Fi. Yeah, we it'd did not have good worst Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi,
2: not even for like the puppets. We're just talking about like in general. Like sometimes it'd be like, oh,
1: uh, just so from a product, <laughs> just production coordination. Uh, and communication it was terrible
2: it was there was not good wi-fi that was it was like but and i remember like thinking like if that's our biggest problem we're okay right.
1: so yeah, crafty exactly. was good is
2: what you're saying oh my god the best crafty oh, ever wonderful that's all i oh, need
1: to best know. best crafty ever uh
0: but like, i mean i can say as, as as a viewer as someone who's watching um and this is not a complaint to the quality of the show by any means but um there's so many things that the show just didn't have enough time to get into sure you know things like yeah. like junior gorg never had a
2: song i know and, um, like we oh, barely
0: yes. saw mon pagor below the waist cuz they were always in the castle like yes. you we know, get more mm-hmm. of that um, you know i spoke with lily cooper recently mm-hmm. and um, you know we we're saying like maybe like season 2 would be great to get this talented broadway actor she needs a song to sing a song yes. she needs a song exactly yeah, we absolutely Gord. we agree
1: more more mon pagor more doc singing 100% yes.
0: Yes, really just – I mean, what the the key word is more,
2: more of everything. Well, it speaks to the world of – the original world of Frag Rock that was created that we got the the chance to reopen is that, you know, we found that creating the first season was like, oh, my gosh, how do you – how do you pick and choose? Because by the end of the first five seasons of the original, there was so much lore and so much of the world that mm-hmm. was built out. And so many, you know, wonderful caves they went to and places they went to, and so many background characters and s- and supporting characters, and so many stories about the doozers, and so many stories about the gorks, and so many stories about Marjorie and, and Philo and Gunge. I mean you could just pick from you know what I mean? It was like it was like just this unbelievable embarrassment of riches that you could pull from. And so we actually had that problem where sometimes you'd be like, oh, and let's add this character. Now we just don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. You know, Like yeah. I mean, we were so lucky to have that. So I think that, you know, should this show continue, we could really pull from even more that was laid out before and create and you a know, brand to be new fair, stuff. Too.
1: I, I was pushing pretty hard for new characters and new mythology. You know, because I knew we had the strong stable. You know, we had the Fraggle Five and we were bringing back, you know, beloved characters. But, you know, I pushed really hard for things like Icy Joe and Jamdalin, and the Archivist, which I think is such a funny character. And then we get to meet the Craggles. Like, you know, I just wanted us to push our own lore and add our own canon to it. So so it's good to hear, you know, more of the same.
0: Yes. Uh, Yes. And the fans want that as well. You know, it's, yeah. it's built into the skeleton of the show, you know, just more and more and yeah. more stuff that's just down that cave that we haven't looked at. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so during the course of this podcast series that we've done, literally, I mean, I wasn't joking. Everyone is, has sung your praises of like, mm-hmm. both of you of how great of a work environment it's been. What is the secret? Because it's not true for uh, it's not even just yeah. filming, uh, you know, TV and films and stuff like that. It's it's any workplace yeah. doesn't have that feeling that you have created for this show. Mm-hmm. So what what is the secret behind creating a positive workplace?
2: Well, I think it's a couple things. I mean, you know, growing up and learning about Jim and the Muppets and the original team and the original set of performers and the original productions. You know, the thing that you would hear about all of those productions was how people always felt valued on a Jim Henson set, you know, that he took in everyone's ideas, that he cared about how people felt about things that he, you know, didn't run a set by intimidation or by negativity. He ran it by inclusive, you know, being inclusive and, and welcoming everyone's energies and recognizing their talents. So I think when you grow up hearing that and you dream of getting to play a part in that, and also someday hopefully making your own stuff, like I just, I know for me personally, I tried to, think about that. Um, I think Hallie and I both come from the same place of, like, we're creating this fantastical, comedic, beautiful, utopian world, and how horrid would that be to work on a show that's all about that and then have the production be the most, like, you know, scary, you know, um, uh, brow-beating, intimidating place to come to work? And unfortunately, you know, when you work in Hollywood long enough, you hear about a lot of our favorite comedies that we all grew up with, that actually was the, the um, atmosphere on the set. But I find, you know, and maybe this is also from coming from a theater background, which I know Holly comes from too. Like, you know, when you're in theater, it's all about collaboration. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, working together to make the best possible product. And that every department, every performer, every artist has value and everyone's contributions equal the whole. So. I think that that's kind of where we came from and also it's just like we're making Fraggle Rock (laughs) you know what I mean like how lucky were we all to stand on that set and make this show so we just tried to kind of and I tried to come in every day with a positive attitude even when it was stressful even when it was crazy you know and sometimes Hallie and I privately in our trailers would be like ah because there was stuff (laughs) going on that we would get to vent to each other about but you have to kind of present that positive atmosphere I don't know Hallie what do you think?
1: Well, I have a lot to say about this because I've run hundreds and hundreds of hours of uh, production at Henson, and it's always been, you know, that way. Um, I, you know, and I'll talk. You know, there definitely have been productions where there are more intense uh, talent that we are managing uh, on the production, and that's my job to manage them. But uh, yes, it does all start. I was raised in the tradition. I mean, I've worked for the company twenty-seven years. I was raised by Alex Rockwell and Brian Henson. Alex Rockwell, having been Jim Henson's assistant and then ultimately took over television so i was raised in the dna of how productions are run uh, at the jim henson company so all the things johnny are saying we do on every show um i would say what is unique about fraggle rock uh is that uh i had the intention of bringing in the a-team talent that had joyful positive attitudes and there was no tolerance for anything else i i remember having and sometimes i felt like like um you know I was, I'm definitely like a motherly type character, but mom also has to sometimes pull you aside and be like, listen here, you don't talk that way to your brother. So um, I actually took on that role. So Johnny didn't have to be that role. I didn't have to be the fun dad, fun dad. (laughs) But, um, But definitely like people weren't allowed to get away with it if it happened. And there was, you know, it was very gentle communication about it. Like it was all for the best of the show, right? Like I have a philosophy in production that you know that people are acting weird uh, and, and doing weird behaviors it's usually coming from a place of fear um and then my job is to turn them back to a place of love and that sounds really corny but it's true and a place of love is can equal trust passion for the show and so the minute i would smell fear in somebody it was like take them aside let's let's get them to that positive place um, how can we support you how can we help you um and then we get them back on track like it's like identifying it immediately the other thing about fraggle rock was we decided um to celebrate more than any other production you know here we all were up in calgary in the freezing cold in a pandemic we were like food truck every week um (laughs) ice cream for everyone chocolate for everyone i would like you know i remember for you know Um, uh, One day, flowers for every puppeteer in their trailer. I went bottom and put them in. Like, we made sure to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate um, uh, more than any other production. And I think it paid off, Johnny. Yeah, Um, it
2: it made everyone feel like there was something to look forward to. And like, you know, especially when you're... four months into a six month shoot, you know, I mean, it's, it's physically difficult. I mean, literally it's, everyone's underslept. Everyone's physically tired. And so just sometimes it was, it was hilarious to watch everyone's excitement on like a Friday where it's like, Oh, there's a coffee truck. Like it was like the (laughs) most, you would think that like, it was like Ed McMahon with like the million dollar publishing Clary house checks. We were like, Oh my God, there's a coffee truck. Like it was the most exciting thing. And it's those little small gestures Mm -hmm. that add up because it just says like, we get it. Absolutely. You know, and and I then think every
1: department, every department would take that on. Right. So then yeah. our art department, every time a director would leave, they would make them a dozer, um, you know, of the, of themselves. Um, and then we didn't realize it, but for the ve- very final day, they had made dozers for all the producers and did all this art. For- so everybody was contributing to one another in their own way. I, you know, I just, I, I thought it was extraordinary. Even Crafty, let's bring back Crafty. Crafty made their own t-shirts for each other that were like, travel Crafty. It was
2: so sweet. And
1: it was just so fun. So I would say that like that just kept building that kind of celebration spirit. Um, And it made sense with the Fraggles, right? You know, we
2: also, we should also say we had $5 Fraggle Friday too, Mm -hmm. where like every day, you know, every Friday we'd go around collecting five bucks and then, you know, um, different departments would host it. And then, you know, it would just be a random, like you write your name on a post-it, put in $5 and then whoever's name got pulled would win you know, the, the, the total. And it's, it was again, like such a a fun thing and you would like cheer. You'd be so happy when people won. Like there was no jealousy. There was no competition. It was just like, yay, Amy won. Like it was like the most joyful thing. And sometimes (laughs) Donna as the storyteller would announce the winner or Sprocket pulled at one (laughs) time. And it was just, it just was always about trying to find ways to make everyone feel like coming to work was a fun escape as opposed to drudgery.
0: Absolutely.
1: But people felt heard. They felt heard. They knew they could come to the producers and be listened to. So I remember when Karen Powell came to me and she was like, I see Joe, it's really heavy. Like, this is hard. And she was really concerned because she's such a perfectionist. So we figured it out. You know, she felt safe enough to come and talk about it as opposed to taking on the burden herself or being upset with, you know, the fact that no one consulted her at the beginning. You know, like all of that. She everybody felt they had a safe forum to work out problems on the set. Um, and I think that we were told that was unique. I was shocked because that's how, that's just what it is on a Henson production. But to a lot of the other puppeteers, particularly the ones in Canada, they're like, no, 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 this is not typical. So that kind of surprised Johnny and I, but we were like, well, it is here. So doors always open.
0: What a joy and, and it definitely bleeds through to the screen like we can see we can see all that joy all that collaboration like it it made its way through um and it makes me more excited for a potential second season where if if you get to do more and to know that it's not a toxic workplace it's it's actually quite you know collaborative joyful i mean all these other adjectives we keep using over and over again yeah um you know I, i would be excited for all the cast and crew
1: I just want to say something about post-production we're talking a lot about the stage right we're talking a lot about the production and the writing but like our post-production crew was just as joyful just as amazing and it was all remote right like it was like it was all on zoom uh everybody was everywhere i mean i remember the last day of post we had a zoom party it was really fun but that was a very joyful group too and christopher leonard's doing all the score like he said it was one of his most favorite shows he's ever worked on so I shout out to the post production crew too. I gotta say they were extraordinary.
2: Yeah, they really were terrific.
0: Well, uh, John, I wanted to ask you. Um, you've been a Fraggle expert, an absolute expert.
2: <laughs> that's, on a, all that's, things. that's a that's a that's uh, a heavy term to call me an it, expert. It is, and I say
0: this <laughs> I say this with uh, with awe and jealousy. Oh gosh! Uh, but. Uh, you know, because from what I understand, a lot of people were coming to you with questions, or you were putting yes. in a lot of like input during the scripting, especially. Um, but now that you've been entrenched in Fraggle Rock mm-hmm. for that entire shoot, and now and then post, and now the show's have been out for a bit, uh, what have you learned about specifically about Fraggle lore oh, wow. that you did not know before?
2: Um, that's a great question. I would say, and this is really coming from from Karen Prell. I mean, I would say. Um, Karen Prell is probably the best Fraggle Rock expert because, you know, as you probably know, she kept that wonderful encyclopedia on set during the original because she like was like me. Like for her, the first the original version of Fraggle Rock was like being in a dream world. For me, this version was like being in a dream world. Um, So we would often actually consult on set about things. and, And but just when you think you know everything about Fraggle lore. You learn something else. And so puppets or characters that you're like, they can't, there's no way those those puppets have a name. And then, you know, someone, Karen would be like, actually, those were called <laughs> the... But da, but da, but da, but da. Or you'd find out that, you know, uh, just finding out like who performed a character on this moment because of, you know, there's, there's a famous episode of the original series, for example, where... Uh, I guess uh, uh, Karen was really sick and she couldn't do Red Fraggle. So Steve Whitmire did her the entire episode and Karen dubbed it. And I was like, what? I had no idea. Yeah. So just learning all those little like fun facts and picking up the background puppets that were a lot, Were f- some of them were from the original and were f- refurbished or remade, but some from the original, you'd like look inside their little sleeve with their tags and you'd be like, Oh, that's what they're called. Oh. So just when I thought I knew, you know, as much as any nerd can know about Fraggle lore, I'd be like, "Wait, what? That's what it's called." So it's, it's. A, I think that's what it is. Is it's this endless, and you know, I think that speaks to the original series that, and we tried to keep this going with Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock. There was so much detail and thought put into every single frame. You know, what puppets were in every frame? What is that thing called? What would they really be writing in their books? What would they really be making in the background? What, pa- what painting would Moki really be doing? There's all this thought, even like even all the doozers, like, you know, I love watching in our series and in the original, like the doozers in the background, like having a cup of, of, you know, Joe or something like that while they're while they're working or like little, little, little uh, construction worker bits that they would set up that weren't part of the story, but just were there in case you happen to see it like that kind of dedication and learning about that. And the fact that there's so much more than you even see on the screen, that was really cool.
0: I love that. I love all that stuff. I love it so much. I have nothing to say, but I love it. (laughs) Uh, Well, for the moment, um, because we're Johnny, you and I are going to talk about this episode, all of us, in great detail. Uh, But for the moment, we're going to say a temporary goodbye to Hallie uh, because you are a very busy bee. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you have lots of other podcasts to record today. Uh, (laughs) But we will have you back later in this episode. So hang tight, everybody. Hallie will be back. And after this extremely short break, we will be breaking down the episode, all of us, with just the two of us. All right, Johnny, let's talk about this episode. Yes. All right, so we open with Gobo dangling from a great height. Yes. <laughs> and it's very scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I watched this for the first time, I thought that I missed something in the episode before. I'm like, did I skip an episode? Like, how, why is yeah. Gobo dangling? And then it turns out he's dangling from nothing, and it's a whole dream sequence. And, yes.
2: And yeah. we had a lot of, de- like, not debate. I wouldn't say that. We had a lot of back and forth trying to figure out, like, could we do a cold open like that? You know, which which is, you know, lingo for when you do something before the opening credits, which has not really ever been done before in an episode of Fraggle Rock. But we actually were really excited by the idea of it. It was like, oh, let's, for that exact reason, like, let's yeah. make everyone go, oh, like, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. Right, yeah.
0: yeah, no, it totally worked. Um, and uh, obviously you did a lot of this on green screen or blue screen. Yes. Yeah. Um, and a great moment between uh, Gobo and Junior, Dream Jr. here. Yes where Junior's like giving him the answer right off the bat.
2: Yeah. And then Marjorie comes in all kind of mystical. And I, I used to love on the original series when Marjorie would appear in their dreams or she would like somehow have this like, you know, omniscient way to kind of know exactly what's going on with all the different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought that that'd be fun to bring that back and have her in the dream. And right. like, what is she doing? there? <laughs> that also feels like a bit of an explanation for like Junior's
0: not, I'm sorry, uh, Kobo's not just having this dream that's, giving him an answer. It's like, there's some actual, like someone's pushing him. Yes. I'm trying to give him that, that subliminal message.
2: Yeah, I had that. I, I, It was never like confirmed, but I think we all had that idea that that Marjorie was, you know, at least helping to drive it. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, canon-wise, that makes a
0: lot of sense. Um, but yes, but Junior tells him, if we're all gonna make it, it's gonna take all of us. Yes. And that's the name of the episode. Yes, it is. And uh, uh, Gobo wakes up, and all of his friends are there, and he tells them that, you know, he had this dream, and he wants to work with plan. The, yeah, this insane plan. insane idea. We're yeah. gonna work with the Gorgs. And they think that's hysterical.
2: Yes. Which I loved shooting that scene, because, we, first of all, we just had a blast doing it. Um... But just (laughs) like it would make me laugh just all four of them just completely ragging on Gobo, which I think is such a fun thing because Gobo oftentimes is the hero or he's the leader and he's the respected one. So it's always funny to me when everyone kind of turns on him a little bit because – right. And you get to really see Gobo stubborn side and his kind of sore loser side a little bit.
0: Yeah, I do like his little scowl and you know, he crosses that scrunchy his arms.
2: face is my favorite thing to play in the world. Mm-hmm. So I would like I loved using that, that scrunchy face whenever I could.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, but also like just him, the friends making fun of him a bit. It's like that's what you do with friends. Yes, like you do rag on each other a little bit, and yes. that makes them feel real, more real, and not too saccharine. Of like, no, oh, Gobo, well, we support you anyway. Yeah. you know, which we do get a lot of that. But you know, there's a little bit of both.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, you just nailed something on the head, which is like, I think that's why when people ask why, why is Fraggle Rock so different? I always say because they're written like real, real people, you know, and I I get so frustrated with kids TV today when, when uh, you see a lot of, you know, executives and television folks who are so scared of like showing characters in conflict or teasing each other so oh it's bad modeling it is but also it's real life mm-hmm. and and to me you have to teach kids to learn how to deal with that and how yeah. to react to it like the reaction is just as important as the as the uh, accusation I, I guess you could say or the um, you know the way you it's not to me it's better modeling to see how a character gracefully handles a situation like that than to not show it at all and yep. so I like the fact that you get to watch Gobo decide to basically stick with his his guts. Like I think that's important. Like people are gonna laugh at you sometimes in life when you have a big idea, especially if it is a revolutionary one or it's a really game changing one, right? Think think back to all the people who've made a difference in history. They were usually laughed at. That's true. How do they handle it? You that's know, true. They could have backed down and gone with what everyone else was saying to do, or they could have stood up to their bullies and done the right thing. And so I love that Gobo basically is like Okay, you guys can laugh if you want, but I'm going to go do this plan. Right. But
0: also, the Fraggles are, like, seems like they have everything pretty much handled for the most part. They have yeah. this whole plan of, like, they're working with the doozers, they're going to yeah. redirect the water, they've <laughs> got the vines, they're going to soak up the the pink goo from the pond. Um, the Wise Council has this plan to do a sneak attack on the Gorg's garden. <laughs> yes,
2: with the whole pokey projection thing, which I think is such yes, a weird
0: which, thing. Yes, which we're going to get to that in a second, because okay. I want to talk about that scene for sure. But, like... You know, Gobo's like, no, nah, nah, the plan's okay, but yeah, yeah I'm going to go talk to this this big guy.
2: Well, I think because of the, that dream, right? He's yep. like, he's like, yeah, we can do all that, but we, the one thing missing is the gorks, Right, Yeah,
0: yes. Um, at this point, we'd have our check-in with Doc and Sprocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc is setting up a camera to capture the moment her bacteria is going to eat the plastic. Yes, uh, which is real, by the way. That's a real, that's a real that science. That is a
2: real thing. There is a bacteria that will eat plastic. It's a, it's a, it's a hope for the future for us with the oceans and everything like uh, that. And so, did Doc invent it? I mean, in my world, she did. Right. <laughs> in real life, maybe not. But let's just say that there is a Doc out there who did. Yes, I love it. And she has a very smart dog. Very smart yes.
0: dog. Uh, and Traveling Matt returns. He's coming through the workshop again. Yes. Uh, there's this a whole sequence where Sprocket barks at him and Matt assumes this is part of a distraction to delay him for his own surprise party <laughs> yeah. and he's just gonna like go along with it which yes. I love and uh, Sprocket has this dream sequence where he captures Matt Dot calls him a genius and gives him this oversized
2: dog biscuit yes I loved shooting that that was so much fun it seemed like fun And did you see that Lily has, has a, 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 like, a, like a Sprocket um, uh, he has like a sweater yeah like of, a sweater, yeah. a which I was obsessed with I was like <gasps> I was yeah, like, I want that
0: did someone get to take it, or is it like sitting in a wardrobe?
2: Right I now? think it's literally sitting in a box somewhere right now. I mean, sadly, use it again sometime. I know. I yeah. was gonna say.
0: Uh, and uh, yeah Lily was telling us about how much fun that was because it's so rare that she gets to
2: interact with the fraggles yes
0: so like this is a rare moment we're like yeah, it's a dream sequence you get to you get to do that they're not just passing out or passing yeah. around behind you
2: yeah she doesn't have to like act like they're not there she actually gets to like look them in the eye and, and have a moment with them yeah exactly uh,
0: and Sprocket uh, captures Matt under a laundry basket <laughs> yes and Matt tells us uh, that he
2: invented pudding which I think is one of the funniest I remember when I read that I was like Matt and Alex what is wrong with you that is brilliant <laughs> i was wondering if that was written or was totally written, if yeah. that was because that
0: also sounds like such a non sequitur
2: no it was actually it was actually written into the script great and it, was, it was uh i, I remember reading it and i was like this is so ridiculous it's brilliant it's. it is brilliant
0: <laughs> and i'm actually disappointed that we didn't get the entire story of how he. i know don't you want to know i yeah. kind of want to know I, I think someone should write a book of all of matt's stories from his perspective <laughs>
2: Which that's like a we great know, idea. yeah, we
0: know it's all you know BS, but like at the same time, it's like yeah, like how did you invent pudding when we know for a fact that you didn't invent pudding?
2: You know, he he, that's the thing. By the way, side note, I love about that character, especially the way that Dave goals, you know, describes him is he's just like he just takes a situation and just decides to make himself the hero of it. Like it's yeah. it's kind of incredible. <laughs> he does it so like yeah, that's what it is. Yeah
0: uh back in Fraggle Rock everyone's still laughing at Gobo yes um there's a, a sequence that I liked a lot where Red is convincing everyone like we're gonna do this the sneak attack yes and Wembley says Boober made snacks Boober goes I did <laughs> says you didn't <laughs> well I can and Moki's like well maybe something light like a radish pizzette like yes. it's such a what a what an interesting <laughs> exchange of words I love that so much um uh, we uh, head into the Gorg's garden. Yeah. Uh, we see Junior is crying over, like, a crayon drawing of Junior Junior. It's just so tragic. It's tragic. Yes. Obviously, Gorg's don't have cameras, because this is, this yes. is all the, the only memory he has of his friend. It's a little drawing he did. That's
2: right. And uh, Gobo, little tiny little Gobo is there, and he gets yes. his attention. <laughs> I love that scene. I actually love, uh, in this episode, all the scenes with Junior and Gobo, because I feel like they're just so... I mean, Dan and I loved playing off of each other, because we're both very emotional actors at heart. But also, just, I think... Um, just the sweetness you get to see of uh, both of those characters, you know, in, in situations that they're both not used to, right? Gobo stuck with the, with a the gorg and Junior being so emotional and so heartfelt, you know, it's not, that's not a place we often have seen Junior. It's so, true. Yeah. And we get a lot of emotions out of Junior in this episode, yes. which we'll get to in a moment.
0: So I love the moment where Gobo is introducing himself. He's <laughs> like, uh, I'm Gobo Fraggle. I'm a Fraggle. It's not just part of my name. Yes. <laughs> It was very, uh, what was it, Tiny tunes when they would say, like, oh, like yeah. Buster Bunny, Bass Bunny, no relation. It's like, yeah, that's right. That's poking right. a
2: little fun at the last name that's also our species. It's a little like Kermit the Frog, you know? It's yes. like It's become, like, part of his last, it's not really his last name, but it's become, exactly. like, his full name. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, and he's trying to pitch this idea to Junior. Um, and he's talking about, we got to do this all together. And while he's talking, Junior just grabs that cage, plops it right down on top of him. Yes. It was a terrible idea. And now both Gobo and Matt are trapped under cages. Yes thematically similar
2: yes it's like both ends of their worlds they're both trapped that's right
0: um, meanwhile, Moki is working with the Doozers, and we get another great bit of dialogue where she's learned some Doozer lingo.
2: Yes, I love her on the on the on the Dooser tube with Wembley. It's so
0: great. It's hysterical that she says uh, base to hold, base to hold. Do you copy? And Cotterpin says hold a base. That's a copy, copy. She says copy, copy on your copy, copy. <laughs> Brilliant. That's so dumb. It's, yeah. um, it's amazing the Doozers get anything done because you get the feeling that they're just saying copy, on their copy walk- over, all day long. Whatever. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Yes. And here we go. This is also the greatest scene in the the
2: episode where Red is ready to present this plan. (laughs) I love the way it's shot. I love, I love everything about it. Moki's dry takes about Pogi. Like it's just so well done. Everything about it is brilliant. But even before we get to that, she throws it to Boober. She's like, Boober, show us the plan. He's like, I don't have him. I was
0: busy making snacks. That's right. That's his role in this episode. (laughs) Poor Boober. Uh, but yes but
2: but while she's going through this plan
0: yeah like the camera's like zooming and like yeah. moving around it's like constant it made it feel like a like an Ocean's 11 movie almost That was the that was the goal and right. it was funny
2: because the the two directors of that Adam and Zach, they were like this is so we know you guys haven't done this before can we go this way and we're like let's try it let's do it you know and you could it, everyone was kind of surprised when they first saw it but I think it it is so like high stakes, intense the yes. way it was shot in yeah. this ridiculous situation with these, God blessing these idiots who are trying <laughs> to put together this plan. I love
0: it so much. Well, and like if we were to actually see this plan. I'm sure it would be like, well, that costs a bit of money. And this way it's like, nope, you just get some pictures. You have some interesting camera moments. $20 later, we're done.
2: <laughs> and I love the justification of like Barry Blueberry has, you know, taken a break from announcing and now he's like putting his passion to art.
0: That's also one of the best lines <laughs> in this entire show. So Can you believe it?
2: Barry Blueberry.
0: Wow. So talented. Follow your passion. Uh, but yes, but this plan, step one is to uh, make up plans to get the water back. Mm-hmm. Done. Done. It's right there. You're looking at him. Done. Step two: Cotterpins can use a projector to project a giant image of Pogi in the Gorg's garden, <laughs> and Pogi pops in. Says it'll look like I'm
2: there, but I'm not. I mean, that Kanye's delivery of that moment, and then Donna's hilarious off-camera take as Moki is just—I—I I, laugh every single time I see that. You really filled this cast with a lot of ringers. You realize they are amazing. <laughs> Everyone on this in this cast was—they were genius. Oh, they, so talented. Uh, step three, while
0: the gorgs are distracted, the doozers are going to sneak to the side of the fountain demolish it with their machines and tools and <laughs> doozer stuff. Again, I had no idea. Ridiculous. We don't have to see it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, with the gorgs, mar- uh, fountain destroyed, the water will return to the waterfall. And then the final step, it's a dance party. It's a dance party. <laughs> Why not? It's yeah. rock, of course. <laughs> and then everyone starts the dance party early. Yeah.
2: Which I also love. I mean, you just, you feel, it has a very, uh, like, great Muppet caper energy when they're all sitting around, like, you know. <laughs> Who's got the hot man? Or what is it? The hot mustard. Yeah, the, hot mustard. The, yeah, where the yo-yo left in my other pants. I mean, yeah, it's that thing where it's like these underdogs who have no shot at this really right. working, who just believe that they've got a great yeah. plan. No shot, and also like no resources. No. Although the one resource I was a little surprised by was the projector. We've never seen that in Fraggle Rock before. It's so funny you say that because we did talk about that. Oh. we were like, we were like, that's kind of out of their world. And then the idea was raised that like the Doosers are much more technically advanced, technology wise, uh, than they have been in the past. Past. And so we're like, okay, maybe the doozers... The Fraggles probably don't even know what a projector is, but the doozers have said that they have it, and they're like, great, we're going to use it.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, that was how we justified it. What I was picturing in my head was... There, I, I unfortunately, can't remember off the top of my head which Fraggle Rock episode it was, but there's one where Cantus goes into the Gorg's Garden, and he stands uh, behind oh, the light yeah, yeah, yeah. and his shadow That's comes right. up in front of Junior Gorg, and, it's and you never huge.
2: really ask like where that light came from, right? Because yeah. they, they don't really show electricity in the Gorg's Garden, but you kind of go, right. okay.
0: Right, but like a shadow, like we, we understand... I think that that's how they
2: would have done it. Right, like with that fragile technology or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Users are smart. They can figure out anything. Exactly.
0: Um, Back in the Gorg's Garden, uh, Junior is uh, telling Gobo that friends are dumb Mm. because he had to throw his friend down the well. And uh, Junior, sorry, and Pa Gorg has told Junior that the plant is a distraction yeah that the fraggles are only there to steal their radishes and like he's kind of buying into it a little bit and he's not happy about it like he's making him angry if nothing else but but he's been listening obviously which is why he captured gobo um but uh gobo recognizes junior junior's description and he's like oh hey like if we can get that back for you yeah so if we can make a little deal here We'll swap, you know. We'll yeah. get you your your plant back, and you know yeah, you'll you do help. this
2: for me. I'll do this for you. And right. actually, it comes from a very pure place. Like you know, I think of course Goba wants to be out of the cage, but I also think like he really genuinely is like, oh, that giant thing that fell into the pond last episode. Like I know what that is. We, we can help you, right? I think he really wants to do the right thing when he sees that it's the first time he really gets to take in the fact that the gorgs have, you know, souls and hearts and 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 and, and compassion okay. and the fact that you know he's watched. You know, he's away from his friends, and for the first time, Gobo realizes, oh, yeah, like that plant is this Gorg's friend. Like, I'm going to do what I can, and my friends are going to do what we can to help this guy. So I think it also shows that even, you know, even in this moment of fear for Gobo, he's also able to look at this the Gorg Junior as a person for the yeah. first time and I, I love that moment and I, I think I have to say Ben Durochet in the costume of Junior Gorg and Dan of course you know performing the voice and the face I mean they just work so beautifully together to make that scene really touching I thought it's true yeah, yeah
0: I completely agree um, and they oh then they have this moment where they're trying to shake hands yes <laughs> and I love it's like this weird combination of like sometimes it's it's Gobo and sometimes it's like the tiny Gobo yeah and like Junior's giant finger yeah yeah uh, I assume you guys were just kind of trying to line things up. I don't even know how you filmed that.
2: that oh, show. yeah. We, we did a few different versions. So we did, you know, we did Gobo on blue screen with this real puppet hand, you know, and then we did, like you said, like the mini Gobo, uh, which which they rebuilt for the series, the mini Gobo and the mini Red and mini, actually all of them, I think, um, so we could use them when we wanted to. We never really found a place to because we had those great CG model versions of them, which, of course, are so successful. But for this one, we're like, well, wait a minute. This is great because Gobo can, it can be the back of Gobo's head in, in the same shot with Junior. You don't have to worry about blue-screening that. And then for this moment, you could actually get contact and not have to fake it on blue screen. Yeah. So there were moments we tried to use it, but it was really cool to use that puppet because you know when you grow up with the original series, you're like, those things are so cool. I want to use for them. For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to
0: see like that sequence of like the things we just mentioned, and then immediately afterward, he lifts the, the cage, yeah. and CG Gobo bounces out. And yeah. it's just, the whole thing is seamless.
2: It's funny. I didn't think about that. That, that scene is a great example of of every technique being put together where you have the real puppet with blue screen with cg with a mini fraggle you have everything put together in one scene i never thought about that before yeah
0: yeah so gobo returns to fraggle rock mm-hmm. and he tells everyone hey talk to junior he's cool we're yes. gonna we're gonna go through with this uh and uh he says haven't we all had times when we weren't our best selves and red says not me <laughs> okay i have <laughs> i absolutely have i like that um And, uh, yeah, Gobo convinces them all, we're going to make this new friend. We're going to build this new trust, and everyone's going to be happy. And we get our first song of the episode. It's Follow Me. Yes. Which was originally heard in the very first episode of the original series, Beginnings, uh, sung by Gobo and Traveling Matt. We heard it again in Uncle Matt Comes Home and Born to Wander, in Homebody Matt, in The Trial of Cotterpin Doozer. Like it's it's after the theme song. This is definitely the most repeated Fraggle Rock song. Yes. And one of the best. I mean, truly one of the best songs. I mean, hands hands down. I I adore this song. Yeah. And uh, it was part of the Fraggle Rock song uh, songwriters Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee's audition tape. Yes, it was. Have you ever heard those tapes
2: by the I way? have I have not heard that particular demo. I mean I've heard a lot of the early stuff, but I yeah. haven't heard that demo, but I've heard I've heard that it was included in the in their audition. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. And you could tell like you could like picture Jerry Jewell or Jim Henson listening to that and song. Going, oh, that
2: these are the guys. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly, um, and this version of the song is sung by all the Fraggles, uh, including like the extended Fraggles. You know, yeah. Icy Joe's back Everybody's there. Everybody's in and, there, yeah, and Pogie, and like some of the other creatures, the non-Fraggle creatures, and they're all carrying Junior, Junior all the way back to the Gorg's Garden. Yes, and which was it was a
2: really that was a, a surprisingly tough thing to shoot because we shot that. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about this in another episode, but Tyler Heron, our brilliant production designer, built a tunnel a real tunnel, basically, underneath the great hall set. Oh. So literally, if you're looking at the great hall set, like inside of it is a tunnel that we use a lot. We use it in the Murgle Moon migration episode a lot. like so it's it's literally there. <laughs> and so all those shots of us going down the tunnel carrying the tree were shot in that space, but when we built it, we thought, "Oh, be, this will be great for like a two-character scene or something like that." So to get like twenty-five puppeteers essentially going down that tunnel, plus camera equipment, plus lighting equipment, was very challenging. But God bless our team; they figured out how to do it. But they did, and it looks great. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun to shoot. It was. It was also that was like the last couple weeks of of the shoot, and so that was that song with everybody doing it and singing it as a group. It was just a very like emotional uh, shoot day for that. That's nice. That's really nice.
0: Um in the garden uh they get the they get Junior Junior there and Junior immediately starts to bash them with a the club yes. uh cuz Pagor got in his head and we've never seen Junior this angry before No. Like, he is
2: livid and we we believe it or not we did we did a few different versions of that because we really weren't sure how far we could take it in context mm-hmm. um, and the version you saw was one of the angriest versions that we shot and you know we realized that like you had to almost let Junior get there to justify Everything that happens after that, you know, yeah. if he was just kind of playfully scary, then it didn't really drive the rest of the episode. Like you really needed to think that Gobo had put his friends. Not only did he "quote unquote" get it wrong, which of course he didn't, but he everyone thinks he did. But he put his friends in moral mortal danger, and now they're trapped. it's just it needed to feel like the worst case scenario, uh, you know, in every possible way.
0: It's true, and um, also you know we, it's important to see him have such a huge emotional response because. Like his whole story, yeah. throughout this whole season and probably ongoing, is about this generational trauma that he's been picking up from
2: Pa Gorg. You totally pick that up, which is which yeah. is a very important part of you know we. If you watch the original series, you know Pa, pa was really horrible to him. <laughs> like right. things that were okay in 1982, 1983, maybe not today. So like there was a lot of like there was a whole song called "My Son," you know, "Dumb uh, Dummy for a Son," uh, which actually I think they cut off of the second release of the of one of the Frag Rock albums, even in the 80s, because it was parents were like, maybe not that. So, wow, yeah. But, but there was a lot of that, where Pa was this really hard on Junior and, and said he was an idiot and dummy. And stuff. So, you know, we even though we didn't do that in this version of the show, because it obviously wouldn't fly nowadays, and also it's a horrible example, at the same time, to your point, I'm glad you picked up on that, we wanted to show the fact that Pa has put this trauma on Junior and constantly makes him feel like he's not good enough. You know, and that that has a reaction and and hurt people hurt people. So you know the fact that Junior's taking that anger out of the fraggles, it comes from Essentially, from his dad, and and so I'm so glad you picked up on that because that was a big thing that we tried to very subtly put in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Back in Doc's workshop, uh, Matt has escaped from his cage, (laughs) and uh, there's a great moment where he's holding very still because Doc is walking back when (laughs) Doc does not see him at all. So ridiculous! I love it. Uh, And uh, also, and actually,
2: sorry, something something we cut that used to be there is Doc used to pick him up. And say, "Oh my gosh, you left another one of your toys on the floor," oh. <laughs> and we almost shot it. And at the last minute, I think we were like, "Can we really justify? Like, it's it's pretty, but like, I yeah. loved the idea of him being held by her and just like, you know, praying
0: for dear life." But sure, I mean, there's also, I mean, in the original series, like, there's that that possibility that maybe humans can't see Fraggles. Yes, so we, t- we talked about that too. That like, mm-hmm. is
2: it is it that he's actually like so still that she just doesn't notice it or to your point is it that Doc's not ready to see Fraggles yet which I I actually think is what it is personally because I always love that explanation same because then
0: she has to earn it Mm -hmm. you know he gets to the point where she gets to see the Fraggles not she happens to see the Fraggles yeah it's not
2: that like fairies don't exist in our world it's just that we're just not ready to see them yet that's right yeah yeah
0: um, and uh, a circuit breaker blows a, f- a fuse And Sprocket needs to decide Whether to recapture Matt Or help Doc get her camera back on yes. This is this is going to be the the climax of their story That kind of yes.
2: um, goes back and forth With what's going on with the Fraggles That was such fun to shoot with Sprocket I, I love doing Sprocket But especially that scene was so fun To have him just so torn between Like he's finally got this You know he's like finally done What he's wanted to do Which is prove to Doc Hello this thing exists mm-hmm. And she's so uh, distracted by her project so he's like, do I, do I be, a, am I a good dog, a good assistant, or am I like doing the fraggle capture thing? Like he right. can't decide. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, in the Gorg's garden, uh, Gobo's definitely blaming himself for this whole thing. Like he's also, we were talking about junior being at his lowest. Gobo is at his lowest. Oh, here. Yeah. Gobo has never been this down on himself before. Yeah. And, um, they're hearing through the doozer tube that the doozers plan didn't work of redirecting the water. Like everything's just going to pot. Yeah. Um, and uh you know he forgets what he said earlier about our lowest moments shouldn't define us he's feeling like this is the moment yeah and everyone's gonna remember this forever yeah um but uh, this is where we get our second song of the series. It's yes. One Heart. Goble Such so- a beautiful scene. song. This is one of the best original songs of the series. I, I agree. Think. Um, it's a little poppy. Uh, oh, it gets to be a little poppy. It starts slow. Um, and apparently,
2: it was was it written by Alex Guthbertson and Matt Fussfeld? No, it was actually, um, it's music by Harvey Mason Jr. and his team, but lyrics by Dennis Lee.
0: Oh, really? So we
2: really wanted to find a way to include Philip Awesome and Dennis Lee in the show besides you know, the, the legacy songs. Um, Philip unfortunately wasn't available, but Dennis, Dennis wrote it. And it was such for me being the dork I am. And I think Dennis Lee is such a genius when it comes to his wordplay and his, you know, if you, I don't know if you read his poetry book or, or I mean, yeah. talk about a brilliant, brilliant mind. Wow. But, but, uh, to have him involved and to write these lyrics, I got on the phone with him and I was like, Oh, uh, so maybe it's like, I was like, Geeking out to the highest level, trying to be a professional producer, but I was. Totally I know up.
0: exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, and he was great. Yeah. I
2: mean, he, he the simplest, most beautiful lyrics, but they're so they resonate so much. Obviously, yeah, yeah,
0: uh, yeah it shows because it feels like a Fraggle song. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it comes down to, and of course it does because because it's him. Um, and, and the song is inspirational. It's not overly sweet as mm-hmm. well. Uh, it says everything that this season has been building up to about togetherness and unity and yeah. and, and all of us. Uh, Gobo sings it to Junior and mm-hmm. uh, it makes Junior Jr.'s flowers bloom. Yes. And Junior is now inspired by this and he's buying into it, thank goodness. Yes. And there's some great shots of him just destroying that fountain. Yes. I love that. And we
2: actually had to use, because, you know, um, that water is. I'd say 95% real. We did a little bit of digital enhancement on it, but that really was a real water fountain that was built by the, the amazing art department and, and it functioned. And of course, those animatronics should not be near water. Yep. So that they, we had to build a, there was a stunt face basically for Junior that, that Ben had to wear for that. Um, so we were all a little nervous about like, you know, and of course we're like, is he going to slip? Is he going to fall? But Ben was incredible and made yeah. that work beautifully. Terrific.
0: I mean, yeah, I love the shot where he just kind of does a baseball swing and yes. hits the head and then later on like he smashes the head to pieces, yeah. which I assume is like pre-broken so
2: that, I think it was, yeah, I think it was pre-scored so it would break pretty easily.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and yeah, all that smashing causes a, a like a little quake and it blocks the water that mm-hmm. the doozers were working on and redirects to craggle lagoon we get to see the mantivore again yes yeah, and it's uh sweet mantivore. <laughs> and mantis like cheering you know the craggle yes, come back they did it. Yeah, i love it uh and the waterfall rushes back into the fraggle pond um all the mergles are there they're they're celebrating uh and the doozer batteries are powering back yeah. on like everything is just being fixed very it's a great quickly.
2: I, I love yeah. that sequence because it's just kind of like if you you know hopefully everyone did watch the whole season you really get a taste of like oh it all led up to this moment definitely yeah yeah
0: uh, and then back in the workshop, uh, Sprock is giving up on Matt to go help Doc, which is the right thing to do. Good yes. job, Sprocket. Yes. Um, Matt, uh, on his way out, grabs Doc's spare camera. Just <laughs> yes. like, oh, I found a, a shiny thing. I'm yeah, just going to steal gift. it. It's, of course it's a gift for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that uh, Munchie the Bacteria works. Yes. seeds the plastic. Saves the day. Yeah. Like you said, it's a, real, it's a real
2: thing. It's a real thing. It really is. You can look it up. It's a real thing.
0: Yeah. And Doc has effectively saved the planet.
2: It's yes. done now. In her <laughs> outhouse by the beach somewhere. <laughs> yes. She has changed the world. But that's actually how it happens, by the way. Sure. Yeah. You know, right. So it's real. Yeah. And I
0: love that she ends that her little story by saying, I wonder what we'll discover next. Yes. You know, it gives me hope for whatever, like whatever story we're going to follow with her in a potential season two. Yeah. Or just the fact that like, that's, that's science. And that's, I mean, not just science, like any big accomplishment, like I did it. What's next?
2: Yeah. And the fact that what seems Hopeless, you know because she's she goes through that moment of hopelessness, you know earlier what seems impossible is possible Mm -hmm. You know and if once you realize that then it really does feel like the world is completely your oyster and anything is possible.
0: Yeah, uh Junior lowers the Fraggle five down the well in yes. a bucket, which is also another great shot. I yeah. love it.
2: And that was actually we they built a bucket that we could all fit in. I mean it was we <laughs> barely fit in that thing, but it was it was it was fun to shoot that.
0: Amazing. Uh and everyone's celebrating, and there's confetti and uh fraggles are being thrown in the air like Muppet penguins. Yep. Which I, I loved
2: doing that. That was great.
0: Terrific. Uh and Matt walks in and thinks it's the celebration for his welcome home party. Of course. Of course he does. Of course
2: he does. Of course he does. <laughs>
0: Um, the Fraggles are showing, uh, traveling, mat- uh, museum that they started, uh, under his name, uh, with all the artifacts that he sent back mm-hmm. over the season. Um, but it also includes some things that he didn't send back. There's, uh, a craggle cloak, a Mergle shell headbands, a piece of the Gorg's fountain. Um, there's doozer blueprints. Uh, this is where we <laughs> yes. get your, your architect characters back. And he says, those are on loan. We're going to need them back. <laughs> yes. Uh, were you channeling anyone in particular with that line?
2: <laughs> I don't think I was. I think I think it was more like I. I just love that he had this like little. He had one last little moment of being slightly in a retentive about, like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, he's like, I'll let G. Fraggle's get away with this, but maybe not everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, those are ours. I, I also I didn't get a chance to pause and really squint, but like, it's the blueprints that they that they're showing there. Is that like a real blueprint of something? From it
2: is, and I can't remember if it was. uh, It's funny you asked that because we we noticed that on set. We're like, oh my god, they uh, they shrunk down. Someone's gonna be able to figure it out. I think it's either. D- the blueprint for Dozer Dome, the actual set construction, or the Great Hall—it's one of the two. It's like something like that. Where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you actually did that." That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice touch.
0: Uh, but yeah, but they're also things that celebrate and symbolize what brought them all together when they needed each other most. Yes. Which is very nice. And Matt has that moment where he goes, uh, that was my vision along. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> Again, just Matt thinking he knows everything. I love. Perfect, that. perfect, Matt. Um, and then he has one more thing to add to the collection. It's the camera, which he calls a looky cookie. Yes. Because you looky into it. And you get a cookie. <laughs> it just makes no sense at all, <laughs> but I love no that. It uh, Was that another, was that in the script? It was in the script. Oh. It was in the script. Again, and, could and have been anyone who shouted that in the, in the I, day. I don't even
2: remember like who, like wh- how we justified that, but we're like, ah, he would believe it's a lucky cookie, sure. Sure.
0: Uh, and the Fraggles all look into the camera waiting for their cookie, I presume. Yes. Uh, and it's being streamed to Doc's workshop. So if Doc was only... misses it. If she just looked a little bit to the right, she would She's see She's too him.
2: busy dancing with her dog. I mean,
0: which would you rather do? Would you rather <laughs> dance with Sprocket or would you rather watch some Fraggles on In the real title life? screen? Yeah.
2: Mm, I don't know. I love Sprocket. I think I'd want to dance with Sprocket. I
0: mean, come on.
2: Right? Yeah. She made the right choice. She made the right
0: choice. <laughs> Especially like, man, if that, if
2: that dog looked at you and put out his little paw... Come on. What are you going to say? No? I mean, he and I was going to say, he offers to dance first. That's right. So he puts it out there. Yeah i love that moment i i love that you know we wanted to end um because we, t- we talked a lot about like wh- how could we end the season and it was you know we wanted that sense of like yes doc has had this amazing um success but what's the one thing she didn't get to do mm-hmm. you know what's the thing she's missing she discovered one thing what's the thing she didn't discover yet? right and we just wanted that last little like <gasps> for right. the end of the season so i'm exactly. so happy that that worked as well, well as it did
0: and it's a well don't don't worry it's coming you know and yeah. i mean it might take five seasons to get there but like i i am confident that at some point we will get to the point where the fraggles have had all these adventures doc and Sprocket have had these adventures and at some point they will start to cross over
2: yeah and i you know i think it's funny um one of the things we talked a lot about is that you know in the original series doc was an inventor and there were sciency things that he did, but really he was more of like a tinkerer, yes, ultimately. Right. Um, and in this version of the show, Doc is a bona fide scientist. And of course, you know, we deal with this all the time on our planet, where we're talking about what's scientific and what's spiritual, or what's scientific and what's fantasy, or what. So it's. I think that those two worlds intersecting eventually, hopefully, knock on wood, is going to be even more interesting because she is such a logical person. You know, and she is such a science-based person right. that when she gets to hopefully meet a Fraggle, who obviously are real creatures in our world, but are fantastical in many ways, like how is that going to affect her? Right? Is she gonna? Is it going to make her look at her science a totally different way? For all we know, yeah. You know, there's a lot of possibilities there for that for that future meeting.
0: Future meeting. I hope. I
2: hope. There will be a future meeting. I really hope so too.
0: For real. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, but we have more to talk about. Yes. We're going to bring Hallie back in here and we're going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. You got it. And we're back with Hallie Stanford, welcoming back to the podcast. Hello, Hallie. Hello. So uh, now that we're all back together here, uh, I would love to know more about the. Not we've already talked about the last day of shooting, but uh, what was what was the goodbye like for everybody? Because mm. I know it was obviously really emotional, and I want to assume that there was some sort of
2: wrap party where everyone got to kind of share those emotions together. Well, it was. <gasps> Hallie will tell you much more about this because she planned most of that rap party. But it was actually like a big debate of like, can we do a rap party? Because, of course, yeah, COVID was still raging. It was before vaccines were readily available. It was still when you couldn't gather more than a certain amount of people together. But we pulled it off. Hallie, tell the story.
1: Well, we did pull it off. But yeah, there were a lot of restrictions. Um, So we had a fancy lunch, super fancy lunch, uh, which was really fun um so we had the lunch and then later in that day our party i mean we, we all had to still do our on set masks up six feet apart but we gave up tons of different gifts which was really fun so the jim henson company gave every single person uh, a bottle of champagne um the producers pooled their money together we all pulled our money together and we got these little Wellness bags. P.S. I love those wellness bags so much that I actually went and reordered stuff from that company in Calgary. I was like, this stuff is amazing. Um, so everybody got a gift bag, and there were. That's what I told you when the art department put up all the dozer drawings of all of us, and everybody got a poster, and everybody signed each other's poster like it was a yearbook. And um, <laughs> then people, <laughs> and then people got to see the show for the first time. Not the first time, but got to see. Um, uh, later we, we would show a couple episodes to, uh, the cast and crew as they came and cut, but then we like ran stuff up on a big screen. So people got to watch it. And Alex Cupperson and Matt Busfield, bless them. Just like work so hard to put together a hilarious clip reel of just the behind the scenes bloopers and all of that. And so we all got to see that and laugh. And then we made fun of Johnny, and we showed oh, him yeah. the of Johnny and the Sprites. Yeah, they showed at the opening of Johnny
2: and the Sprites, and I the humiliated him. Oh my
1: God, I was <laughs> loving it. Everybody was howling. Well, that um, was a great all... show. What's humiliating about <laughs> that? <laughs> it was a great, I'm very oh, he proud was of Johnny like Johnny's literally Sprites. a thousand years younger. Just kidding, Johnny. How dare you? Um, <laughs> I was like, there's so much bronzer <laughs> on
2: my face in this episode, you can't even it. <laughs> uh,
1: No, he's adorable. Everybody loved it. Um, you it had was a unexpected. Lot of and Sprites fans there. <laughs> yes, that's true. So we had that. Lots of speeches. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of happiness, a lot of love, lots of, uh, lots of COVID hugs, and uh, everybody just feeling like it was. Like I said, we tried our best to make it feel like a celebration, even though we had actually a lot of restrictions on us. And I have to um, say, to what Holly was
2: saying about the, the cast and the crew watching, uh, we showed them a rough cut of the pilot episode, which is still very, very rough. I mean, it was like it was missing effects. It was missing. Music, everything but watching their reaction to that was probably one of my favorite memories of the entire shoot because you know for some I mean everybody in that room at least was touched by Fraggle Rock growing up and it was amazing to watch these like hardened crew guys and gals um tears streaming down their faces because they they were like oh my god we're part of this like we get, and Kanye who plays pogey just came to me after the screening and he literally couldn't speak remember the holly like he could not speak he was crying so hard because he was just like overwhelmed by being part of it and i think it's the kind of thing where it's like we were so in the trenches and working so hard and it was so so many you know long hours and long weeks and y- until you sit back and you see it you're like oh my god that's what we're making, you know, and you yeah. see it put together and you see the characters and you see the, the the reactions to, to things. And, and also, I think how funny it was. People are so happy how funny it was. So that was a really special memory.
0: I love that. And I'm sure it's also um, it's so moving to see, you know, you don't really know what you're making in the moment. And like, I'm, like I am say, I'm sure they saw clips as, as things were coming in. But to be able to see everything edited together, you know, almost complete, and to know, like, oh, it wasn't just me wiggling this doll. Like, it right. actually, it's part of this, like, beautiful,
2: magical-looking thing. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's good. And yeah. it's good. Yeah, it was a big, like, oh, okay, okay, we made something beautiful and good. Because, you know, we can all think it's good individually, but when you see it as a group and everyone reacts like that, you're like, okay, I think... I think this might work. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, I just pulled up, we got so many cards and letters. I just pulled up this card from Ali Eisner who worked on the show, who I absolutely adore. And they, I'm just going to read it to you. Um, They wrote, I've never worked in an environment as healthy as Fraggle Rock. It was consistently supportive, kind, warm, welcoming, and so continuously thoughtful. It's been a place where people lift each other up to succeed. Every day I woke up excited to come to work to see everyone. This has been a very healing work experience for me. As a trans person, I'm sometimes typecast, or folks don't really know what to say. None of this happened to me here. It was just amazing. Like that, those were the kind of letters we received on the last day, right? Like people just wrote. Like I got, and I got those from the art department, from props department, from you know, from all kinds of people. So anyway, I, I, I always remember that one though, because I know that was a lot for Ali to write that uh, that
0: card. Or we should all be so lucky to get to work on a show like this. Honestly. Yeah. And now
2: you're here. You're part of it, too. I'm, I'm
0: a very small part of, of it. After it's all finished, <laughs> I right. get to pop in and <laughs> <That's> talk <right. laughs> Yeah, but you're
1: important. You're like, you're the fans. We make
0: it for you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for making this entire show for me. I appreciate <laughs> that.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> My pleasure.
0: So, uh, Hallie, your, your role on this podcast uh, was kind of, you know, with these Dig Deeper segments, uh, has been to kind of help to summarize what is it that we learned from this right. episode and i'd love to talk a little bit about what you all learned from this entire season of fraggle rock mm. like what what are the big te- takeaways thematically or or what you want people to take home with them at the end of the day
1: i think you and i talked about this which was hope punk making hope cool again Making corny cool, um, putting that positive, joyful, fraggle vibe out into the universe. And I think we've all been talking about it. When you write stories and put them out there that are about this message, it can't help but affect the people making the message. And if and if you're if you're not affected by the messaging, then you're broken glass inside. No, I'm kidding. But like, (laughs) like, so I think what I learned is it, it actually can work to like actually put out this really joyful. Um, vibe collaborative vibe and you can get a a piece of excellence Uh, it doesn't have to be so hard but i also just love the messaging of the show of different people of different sizes junior and gobo standing up for what they believe in and being very brave in a very scary moment to make the world right for everyone I mean, that, to me, was such an important message in that last episode. And I think a lot of people displayed a lot of bravery on this show uh, in, in many ways, uh, Apple included, Apple included, um, you know, letting us go back to the rock and take a big swing. So I guess those are some of the bigger, higher lessons that I learned.
2: I love that. I agree with all that. I, th- I think also, you know, from a, um, a puppet place um you know there are a lot of mm-hmm. puppet doubters out there and and it's there's we we joke around but it's true there's there's a um, there's people who just like you know they're scared of puppets because you know they they don't think that it's as, as um, viable as animation is nowadays mm-hmm. and what I was so excited about was we were encouraged to take the puppetry to the next level and I think mm-hmm. what we learned on the show was puppets work just fine it's it's you know frank oz has this famous statement why puppets right you ask yourself before you do a show with puppets why puppets and i think what fraggle Rock does obviously they're fantastical creatures that's number one reason why but also like we can put them in amazing situations that are exciting to watch. So we can do stunts with puppets. We can put puppets in water. We can do crazy effects with puppets. And so getting a chance to do that and say, this is the level that puppetry can be used for on television, I thought was really exciting. And I learned that that is not some sort of outdated concept, you know? Um, So that's one thing. And I think also um, what Hallie and I talked about all the time was the fact that really good entertainment is ageless meaning that there's no specific age this this has to be viewed by this age to get it you know frag frag the original frag rock was definitely made for this purpose but this so was back to the rock it's a show that anybody can watch and find something from so you know a three-year-old can watch it and love it for one reason and an eight-year-old can watch it and love another reason and a you know 20-year-old can watch it and love it for another reason and an 80-year-old can watch it and we by the way heard from all those age groups and I'm sure you have too like people who love it for those different reasons and when you put really great music and really good performances and really great writing especially and really great art and you know uh, Jocelyn Stevenson who is of course one of the original creators and writers on the series and we're so lucky to have her as a writer on Frag Rock Back to the Rock would say all the time that the 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 methodology on set of the original was we're all here in service of the greater idea. And that's exactly, I think what we try to do on back to the rock as well. It's like, we all were working to bring the world to life and bring the story to life. And I think when you all do that, it makes hopefully great entertainment that is accessible to everybody. So I think that's, I think that's what I took away was like, you could still do that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And obviously you can, because you did it. I mean that's like it's the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, which traveling Matt invented, by the way.
2: He put, he invented pudding. Who he knew? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a wonderful place to wrap up uh, this episode as well as this season. Uh, so, John Sartaglia, Helly Stanford, I want to thank you both so much for being here and for being on this entire season. Um, you're contributions were so incredibly important to this podcast project and i'm just very happy to have both of your voices on the show well so thanks, thanks to, to all
2: the fans of tough pigs because you guys are you know yes you keep you keep the love for for henson alive and it, we couldn't do it without you guys too so thank you
1: yes big giant group hug like big tough pigs group hug
2: mm, thank you it's
0: a warm hug <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to the end of another Fraggle talk podcast and the end of this entire season. I want to thank everybody on the Jim Henson company team as well as the Tough Pigs team for helping to make this series happen and a huge thank you to all of the season's very very special guests so until we meet again, we'll see you down at Fraggle talk. Dun, 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 Fraggle Talk, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast, is brought to you by ToughPix.com. Produced, written, and hosted by Joe Hennis. Fraggle Fast Fact segment presented by special guest John Tartaglia. Dig Deeper segment hosted by Beth Cook with special guest Hallie Stanford. Fraggle Talk art by Dave Haltine Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters and elements, are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company, all rights reserved. Fraggle Rock theme song, written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee, is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company, Apple TV+, and the entire Fraggle Rock Back to the Rock family. For more from Pigs, please find us at Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time down at Fraggle Talk.